Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are hi, you? Hi. 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 I'm great. How are you? Good. Cheers to Marketeers' little coffee mug I've got here. Shameless plug. Actually, I saw you shamelessly plugging your coffee company. It needs. Ooh. It needs that. What's it called? The Black Road Coffee Company. Yeah. Okay. Should we meet there sometime when you're out in a boot? Please let's let's go there. That's what I have in here, actually. They're espresso beans, base camp espresso beans. Delicious. I know. I saw your your story. Yeah. I actually saw your Facebook story, and I don't see Facebook stories, so it found its way through. Facebook. I don't know. I don't I know. know. I know. I don't know. I had to use it today because I'm organizing a trip with a bunch of friends, and two of my closest friends do not have email. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, it's crazy. What do you mean? What do you mean they don't have email? Well, one of them does now, but he never checks it. One of them has no record of email, and he's only on Facebook for the sake of using messaging, so he really doesn't exist. But what do you mean? Like, how does... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't get what you're saying to me. <laughs> like, but don't like, how does he get Banana Republic sale notices? How does he know when to go to Nordstrom? How? How does he know the optimal time? I don't know. And I'm jealous a little bit. I have that sort of like, God, one day. I liken it to years ago, I read this uh, book by Larry McMurtry. I, sh I wish I could remember what it was called, but it was a sequel to Lonesome Dove. But it was this rich guy who just basically goes back and lives in the woods. And I've always fantasized about that, except I don't want to live. He lived in a shack. Like going off the grid? Uh, you want to be off yeah, the grid? Yeah, but not. I think it's just a ridiculous fantasy that as soon as I did it, I'd be like, what the fuck? Where's the grid? Why did I get off? I and where is oh the grid? Oh my God. I can't get back on. Can I Where'd get back on? Where'd the grid go? Where's the grid? Where's the grid? Where, where is the grid actually? <laughs> I don't know. The first time I heard that expression was when Daryl Hannah went off the grid. Do you know who Daryl Hannah is? From uh, the mermaid movie? The famous mermaid. What's the mermaid movie? What is it called? Splash. Ah, oh, such a good movie. A very good movie. And I was like, what does that mean? And basically it was like she went and lived on a dirt farm in Montana or something. And that was like... Like they farm what? for dirt? <laughs> I don't know. I made that up. <laughs> that sounds so easy. I think we have to say, I think we're going to, when we, because we're getting so famous, we're going to have to put a disclaimer that says everything Sean says is pretty much made up. <laughs> don't tell people that. We're just gaining a lot of momentum here. It's true. Anyway, wonderful banter. Happy to see your face on this very sunny, whatever day this is, morning. Are we allowed to tell people it's Thursday morning? Well, That's who our day? cares? It's because... all pandemic Wednesday still. Okay, let's talk about the C word, collaboration. Why are we talking about collaboration? Other than the fact it's an overused term. We are talking about collaboration because it's a word that I feel, especially with COVID, is a hot term. It's used all the time. So yeah. we wanted to talk about collaboration because I did get this email that was, it was from uh, McKinsey On Point, one of their brilliant newsletters. And the subject of the email was fewer meetings, more collaboration. Not just possible, but better all around. <laughs> and then it was, the piece itself is called 
destination collaboration. And I said, can we please talk about this? I think I've been waiting years to talk about the frustration I have around people thinking meetings are a productive entity of any kind. Yeah. Yeah, because people would read that line and say like, well, aren't meetings collaboration? Is that not what that is? And wasn't there a thing around when COVID first happened where all of a sudden people felt some freedom that they might have been isolated at home, but they they didn't have meetings to go to? Mm -hmm. and, and here now look at us and the stats are telling us that in the last two years, um, over COVID, there's been a 42% rise in what they call collaborative activities or collaboration mm. activities. I remember Lindsay going, well, how are they justifying that? I'm not saying that they're calling it collaboration. They're calling it activities associated with what people think is collaboration. Hence, Zoom meetings, calls. Yeah. And I just kind of said like those, I think there's been a rise in uh, interactions but, but people are good. now kind of lumping that all together and calling it collaboration, whereas yeah. like collaboration really needs to be a deliberate activity. Deliberate. Yes. Not a, I think in one of the things you sent me, it was like not a meaningless interaction, <laughs> which I was like, yeah, they are. Not a complete waste of many people's time. Yeah. So yeah, specifically it was just talking about what they call collaboration overload and Lindsay and I were talking about this where, you know, I said, I'd like to talk about this. She's no problem. So the idea is we always share the sort of, this is the base thinking, let's go in our own directions and come back. And I was like yesterday, mm -hmm. can you please call me? Because this could go anywhere. And Lindsay, what were your results? You know, what happened? Well, I assumed because of the pandemic and so much conversation taking place around collaboration and the fear that we saw as soon as the pandemic hit that there was going to be zero collaboration. We're going to lose our interactions with people and we're not going to be able to do the same work because we can't collaborate in the same way and like all of that fear. So I assumed because of that trend and those fears that when I started to look around uh, and do a little bit of discovery around collaboration that I would see a lot of very clear points or direction about the best ways to collaborate. And that's not exactly, that's not my experience at all of what happened when I started to do some research for this episode. It was like things from 10 best ways to collaborate to collaboration has never worked and never will, like from 2011 or collaboration is our only way forward and it's never been better. Like all of the headlines and all of the research and all of the stories are completely all over the map which is why uh, it was such a good idea for us to connect yesterday. Cause I'm like, what the hell are we actually talking about, about this topic? Because there are so many different views taking place around collaboration right now. Yeah. And with me, what was really interesting is, you know, we basically did this episode in my car from, from my yesterday. car in her home yesterday, kind of going, what are we going to talk about? And we were just like, mad hey, and like, blah, blah, blah. yeah, <laughs> there's a problem here. We experience it. Mm -hmm. meetings there is yeah. a problem and where there was an opportunity for it to improve it's actually gotten worse where they're right. talking like some of the habits are things like once it was zoom and and it was so convenient and you know w wf h i still have to get used to that working from home was just a thing mm. people started thinking that 
I don't need to be in the meeting as long. So instead of adding think time, because the biggest issue with meetings, as anyone will say, is it can often be a waste of your time. There's too many people there and it, it takes from your ability, takes away from your ability to think. Yes. It's the idea of this whole idea of status meetings and, you know, the whole time you're just from meeting to meeting, mm -hmm. so unproductive. And actually now when people don't have to take the time to commute, they're in more meetings. So there was this whole, there's something, there's a study that shows that there's a tendency to double the meetings because the first thing you do is I'm going to cut my meetings in half. Right. So they've now said mm -hmm. that there's some practices in place at some big companies that talk about like now it's that there's no meetings that are allowed over 30 minutes and there's no meet, you know, mm -hmm. it's all 15 to 30. Here's my issue with that is I get it, but it doesn't take into account context because there's times where a 90 minute meeting is what I need. I need right. two people and I need a, I, Lindsay knows, I think you all know now, I have a very clear agenda as someone used to teach and I've done a lot of presentations is like the first thing I ask anyone if I'm doing their, their, you know, their, their presentation or their storytelling is how long you got and who's in the room. Mm -hmm. With all that to say that everyone has truncated the time and doubled their availability don't confuse my free time with availability. I did that for you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the runway. Yeah, I think what they've done is they've said like, you know, meetings are the problem. So let's just make them shorter where they're not addressing the fact that um, we're not setting out clear structure as to how to accomplish certain goals and the purpose of each meeting. So like, what is that purpose and how do we do what we need to do? And then who needs to be there and how does it work? Uh, yeah. versus just saying like, everything's 15 minutes now. It's like, well, that may not be helpful. Yeah. The other thing I haven't spoken about yet is when you search for collaboration in the future and all that sort of stuff, they're basically, unfortunately, are talking about how it's technology driven, right? So they're telling mm. all the companies, you need to find the right technology because it'll be crucial. We're going to look back and we're going to say, wow, the biggest mistake the industry made was we focused on the technology, not the people. Yeah, because collaboration is a human centric desire. Like we've been human, like uh, collaboration is in our DNA. We have always tried to find our tribe and be with like-minded people. It's all about human connection. We've always wanted to connect and collaborate. Yeah, exactly. And I think like the reason that we're bringing this forward too, which is, you know, relevant to marketing and advertising is that, um, we feel that strategic and well done collaboration is so essential to the work that we do that uh, this is something that we've obviously tried to figure out for a long time and, and we feel that we do quite well within our own projects that we work on together, but that in other scenarios there's um, opportunities to be able to optimize how we collaborate. Yeah, and I think there is some real learning out there where, you know, what the facts are saying are everyone realizes it is a very unproductive thing. Mm -hmm. And it is a big challenge. It's not like there's anyone to blame. It's just, we just have to look at the situation and kind of be a little bit more patient about what the solution is. Collaboration has always existed. The problem is it's a buzzword. Like it really is, mm -hmm. right? Everything is collaborative, 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 whether, whether it's about workspaces, whether it's about tech, a lot of technologies, you know, now more than ever, there's just more ways. It's like, I have to jump on a Teams call, then I jump on a Zoom call and then, now, what I will say is this, I'm rarely, if ever, in a meeting I shouldn't be in. Mm. 
it's probably because I'm so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) They uninvite you immediately. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Lindsay? I'm just curious. Um, So it ebbs and flows. So like from my perspective, the reason why I decided to go out on my own as a consultant and exit myself from the agency environment was to free my mental space for thinking time. I feel as a strategy person who's responsible for a lot of research and discovery and putting puzzle pieces together um, and bringing a variety of different ideas and approaches of, of ways to solve different problems because of things like meeting overload and even just those disruptions and interactions in that type of like hectic environment, I was never able to do what I thought was like some of my best work because I was constantly being um, interrupted or pulled into situations, which I loved like brainstorms and stuff like that, that are so fun. But I just felt for me, it didn't serve the work that I was doing very well. So sometimes because probably about 50% of the consultant work that I do is with agencies and about the other 50% is direct to client. I do frequently get sucked back into these experiences where it's uh, it's a strong reminder for me as to how distracting it can be. So, and I'm the first one to say, sure, what tools do you use? Because I use them all and I will hop on to whatever thing that you do. Yeah. Because I want to be as collaborative as possible. But then when I get into these experiences around the endless meetings and the Slack messages and the notifications and like, did you check your email? Did you check your Slack? Did you check this? Are you here? Are you there? I just find for me, it's not helping me be productive in the way that I need to move the work forward that I do. So I'm very just structured in the approach that I bring. I'm like, here's the process that I work in here. I'm fine as well to adapt to your process, but here's the different collaboration points that you'll get with me. And those are the tried and true things that I know are going to help me move my work forward versus me just jumping into a process that may be a product of this kind of over collaboration trend or environment. Right. And I think that that just shows how you shifted the dynamic where you are, you understand the need for it. You might question mm-hmm. some of the value, but in the end, um, you're in control, right? And I, I did that shift because I had to, like, it was really out of desperation. Cause I was like, I can't do my job very well or as well as I know I could, if I'm in this vacuum of endless meetings and interactions that are kind of taking me off track. Yeah you're at a point in a time where the client service aspect of what you do is important. And it's like, no, I'm willing to do it. And I am very aware that it could be tedious, but I decide if I'm going Mm -hmm. to be in those meetings. Right. Right. And, and, and that's, that's all that's missing for a lot of people. So I want to share some stuff I found. Okay. Based on what you said, this is from a fast company article called your helpfulness at work is hurting your job performance. Yes. Okay. So one of the things we learned in grade school was the importance of helping others, whether it was showing the new kid how to find the cafeteria or collecting papers for the teacher, the concept was clear. Being helpful is a virtue. Yep. I mean, I, I live by it, (laughs) but there's more to the story because here's the problem. Okay. Studies show that 20 to 35% of value added collaboration. So the good collaboration, we'll call it, Mm -hmm. comes from just three to 5% of the employees. Interesting. These, they call them extra milers, 
build a reputation for being capable employees and willing helpers and are continually drawn into collaborative efforts and requests for assistance. Fair? Fair. Both of us in an agency environment? Mm -hmm. As a result, their job performance can suffer. They do talk also about, on top of this, it's not recognized. Okay. So you are putting all this extra effort, like you said, however, the thinking time that is truly what you're paid for, you've compromised it. Therefore, mm -hmm. you will find yourself in this vacuum. Right. 100% okay? true. <laughs> I'm bringing 100% to this episode as well. 100% yes. of Lindsay is here. Okay. This <laughs> is where, because you, you talked about it, compounding the problem, all of this collaboration comes with the added cost of context switching. Oh, yeah. Yes. Studies have shown that when we are interrupted, whether it's for 30 seconds to read an email or for an hour long meeting, it can take up to 20 minutes to refocus on the task we were working on. Right. So put some dollars to that. Yeah. So if my hourly rate's $5,000, <laughs> no. So what? we don't even, have, you know, like value-based pricing, I'd say. <laughs> How much work have you got, Sean? Well, I do this podcast for free. So think about that in the context of like 2018, 2019, when you're in an office and you're being distracted and of course, and then take those people and put those people in a pandemic and put them at their houses where their kids are also there. And they're trying to now, um, this is parents, obviously, they're trying to now continue to do their jobs and think about if you were once interrupted by colleagues and then it would take you 20 minutes to get back to what you were doing. But now you're constantly interrupted by partners, kids, pets, deliveries, meetings, this, that, and trying to figure, fit it all in. No wonder people are having this kind of brain scrambled experience where they're having a very hard time getting back to focus after years and years of going through this type of uh, disruption. And they say it's exhausting and it's a huge impact to mental health. And it's that it's, uncon it's unconscious. So it's this, mm -hmm. you hit this moment of depletion. I have done that. I, I burned out. Uh, a few right. times in my career, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, it's just this, all of a sudden you can no longer function, especially right. of like these sort of this, these thinkers kind of per people is everything is for the sake of work. So flip what the scenario that you just said though, but say, okay, so you're home, you have your, you have your, okay, 12 to 1230 or 12 to one o'clock, you know, uh, it's, it's lunch with the kids cause they're homeschooled and there's this, or, you know, mm. The first thing you will do is compromise that time. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to say that's what you'll do, but when you have the pressure, you're like, wow, I'm very lucky that I'm able to do this from home and I haven't lost my job and no one's making me go back into work. I'm very lucky. It's the first thing that will go. So actually what you are compromising isn't your think time. It's your you time. What's, what's you time? Yeah. Okay. That's another episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This mindset has to shift to stop thinking that you're doing a favor for your employees. We have to really think about what everyone needs and you no longer can look at like policies and in individual ways for individual people. Yes. And I think there's still a huge amount, well, 
a huge there's the majority who just have not made that mindset shift is you're not doing anyone any favors because anyone will tell you they're trying to figure out turnover is at a rate it's never been before and a lot of times it's no longer because they're not happy in their job a lot mm -hmm. of times just they're not happy enough in their job right uh, where it used to be about you know people are just exiting going like i can't i can't live my life feeling like you're allowing me to do that because right. my life is very, my needs have changed significantly. So you have mm -hmm. all these, especially in the marketing world, apparently incredibly high, incredibly high turnover, especially for the big thinkers, the creatives and the strategists and that sort of stuff, crazy turnover. And I'll tell you from my experience, turnover is expensive. Right. And right? they're at a point where they're like, I, it's not that I don't want to do this anymore. They're like, I can't do this. I cannot, I can no longer do this like this. Or there's so much out there. There's so many jobs out there. Hence right. said turnover, because it's happening everywhere. Like people say, there's a job in New York I'm able to take and I don't have mm -hmm. to leave. And how cool is that? So the markets have just yeah. opened up on a global level, which was to me, where I work, location was number one for me. Right. Because I wasn't moving. That really leads into something that I found that I want to share. Please do. Okay. So the bright side of the pandemic and collaboration. Excuse me? Excuse me, say that one more time. The bright side. There's one tiny bright side like a Can we call it a glimmer? A fading glimmer? It's one thread of brightness. It's not a whole side. It's an edge. Anyhow, there's a tiny bright side. So when you just said... People being able to say like, hey, I can take that job in New York, or I don't have to work like this, or I can go and do different things that I want to be doing. The one uh, thing that really resonated with me where I was like, this is so cool. And it actually plays into um, freelance and consultants and people being valued for what they can bring to the table versus the location that they're in or the company that they work for. So okay. I found this article on the MIT Sloan Management Review, Business Reports and Insights, um, published in October, so October 2021. And the title of it is The Collective Intelligence of Remote Teams. And this is all as well in the name of collaboration. So it says, research shows that it's not where we work that matters the most, it's how we work and who is doing the work. So People have been saying this for two years. It doesn't matter where we work. It's how we work and blah, blah, blah. But hey, also, I said that. Yeah. This is what everyone's been saying. But the interesting part, I think, is the who's doing the work that really intrigues me, especially around collaboration. So this isn't even about the pandemic. This says over the past decade, their research team has extensively studied group collaboration in both face-to-face -face and remote settings. Our findings suggest that this decision of where coworkers are located is not as critical as some assume. It's not where we work that matters most. It's how we work and who's doing the work. So they found that groups working remotely can be as effective as groups working face-to-face. -face. More specifically, and this is where it gets really interesting, we measured the collective intelligence of groups, which is their ability to work together effectively at a wide range of tasks. And they found very little difference in the factors that explain collective intelligence of face-to-face -face and remote teams. So they say, collective we did find intelligence. collective intelligence. 
So it says, we find that the processes of how work was done and who was doing the work were significant predictors of collective intelligence in both cases. I have two more sentences. Our analysis shows that coordinating members' skills and covering all of the tasks are just as important for remote teams as they are face-to-face -face teams, and collectively intelligent teams are able to coordinate in these ways regardless of where they are working. And one of the big benefits, this is a silver lining to the pandemic, is that one of the benefits of remote work is that it's often easier to assemble the people with the right mix of skills and interest when location is not it's a constraint. Not a barrier. So you're taking, you're bringing people potentially in the work that we do from all over the world. You could work on this from wherever that you're choosing people based on their skill set. So what the talent brings to the table and then setting up processes for them to be able to collaborate and bring their value to the table in a way that makes the work great. So for me, that's the amazing progress that may come out of us being forced into these remote work situations is that it doesn't have to be we need to get Becky and Jim because they sit together in this team and we Nobody's pay them this Becky much salary anymore. and we do this and they need to come together it's like you can choose whomever from around the world to collaborate on these projects to bring the work forward factor into that the cultural differences that you benefit from the cultural perspectives and what everything is saying about collaboration and how you enable it is it is culture first. It is right. not technology. It is, is your company. Mm -hmm. Cause it's a people, it's a people problem. It's a people solution and a people situation. It's not a tech problem. Yeah. So with all of the things that are going on negatively around collaboration, we haven't figured it out and the tech is driving and it's not people, I think there is a real opportunity, especially kind of in this freelance and consultant environment to bring the best people forward and figure out how to communicate and collaborate effectively. And I think, Lindsay, you're the perfect example of you took hold of the culture and by going on your own. And I think you are finding other cultures that make that fit. And I think this is a perfect example. And a lot of probably the relationships you have, I have it with my clients and Lindsay and I are working more, more together as this. It's not just agency. It is a team. It is the client. It is, it's all about trust. It's about cultural respect. And like Lindsay said, it's about how you work and who is doing the work. Um, I right. have one last thing. I found the gold. It was this one blog. Uh, by Steve Miller. Uh, we'll put the link in. So he talks about his definition because he said is, is collaboration a buzzword. It doesn't help that the dictionary definition is so generic of collaboration. The Oxford Dix Dictionary describes collaboration as the action of working with someone to produce or create something. It's not wrong, but I'd suggest it's not really right either. So let's make it clear. Here's how I, he, would define collaboration. Collaboration is a creative process that builds connections between people by exploring and developing new innovative ideas to achieve a common purpose. Right. If you break it down a bit further, collaboration has three parts. How many, Lindsay? A tidy three. Which I call dynamics. Number one, defining purpose. This is why you are collaborating. So the team needs to understand what the collaboration 
why it's even happening. Number two, connecting people, bringing people together so they can interact effectively, which is what you said, Lindsay, where now there's no more barriers of location. That truly is what collaboration can do. And number three, creating ideas, using imagination and creativity to build new thinking. He likes this framework. He goes, I like this framework of three collaboration dynamics because if you take one away, you aren't collaborating. Oh, interesting. Right? The other thing he goes on to say is, but each of these three dynamics stand on their own. So as much as like you can't take one out, they each have a sort of process to them. And I'm like, there it is. I would say it's kind of how you and I work, but I love that this guy who's a consultant in marketing mm -hmm. said it so beautifully in one post. Right. I love that. So... Lindsay, what's your summary? What would you, what advice would you give based on what we've figured out, dug up this week about collaboration? I would say that, you know, collaboration is not a tech problem. It's not a remote working problem. It's not an internet problem. Like this is a human people first, culture first problem where we have those willing to collaborate. We have diverse talent that we can bring in to do really great work now. That's definitely a silver lining of the pandemic, but we need to figure out what is the best way for people to actually collaborate, to get the work done in the best way and achieve, as you said, Sean, the purpose of what this project is supposed to do, what this meeting is supposed to be like. With What's it supposed to solve? Yeah, with it all being very purpose-driven. And it's a people connection problem, a people collaboration problem, as you said earlier, not a tech problem. Yeah. What I learned from you specifically today, and I'll take away with me is, because I've said it's not about where you work, it's about how you work, but it's about how you work and who is doing the work. Yes. You have to identify the people, their value, in their collaboration and how do you foster an environment that enables their collaboration, which in the end makes everyone better and makes the work better. Mm -hmm. um, and as long as you have a people first approach, all the other shit can be fixed. Right. Culture first people, it's the first step. It's not technology, culture first, but understand it's who is doing the work who is collaborating and how do they best do it? Mm -hmm. I would say probably figuring out the structure of how you collaborate effectively is probably actually not the hardest challenge in this scenario. I think the hardest challenge is, can you take a breath and take a step back enough to say, who should be tackling this problem? What type of people do I know? What type of value do they bring? What type of um, skill sets and assets do they have? Are they in Amsterdam? Are they in New York? Are they in Toronto? Are they in Oakville? You know, where are they and who are they? And how can we assemble these teams to really most effectively solve these problems, put these campaigns together, get this creative going, like whatever the challenge may be. But I think actually like finding and sourcing and, and building that network and getting this, these groups of people and identifying who they are and what they do best um, is still probably one of our biggest challenges with regards to collaboration. It's who are the people and how do you find them and where are they? It's us. Are you talking to me and you? <laughs> A lot of this stuff is, I don't know, it just comes naturally, but I was, I was telling people when I figured it out, I'm like, Lindsay and I do multiple projects together. 
not the least of which is this one, which is a big undertaking aside, you know, it's our sidelines, we probably meet two, maybe three, if it's planning time hours a week. Right. And when we come to that meeting, we have done our work so that all we're doing is raising particular questions or asking for feedback. And then we come out of that meeting, the last half of that meeting is what we're going to do in prep for the next time we talk. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely how we collaborate best. That was one of the big aha moments I had when thinking about brainstorming and things like that the other day. It was people come to the table to say, what are the ideas? where we come to the table and we share our ideas and we work on them together and then we move them forward. We don't come to a meeting and be like, well, what are we talking about today? It's like, here's what I did. Here's what you did. Here's how we're thinking about the problems differently. Here's what we found. Here's how we can collaborate, bring our ideas together um, to formulate a strategy or a plan that would have been better that is better because we worked in it together and brought our ideas together, not because we came to a room together and said, hey, what's our idea? Another big aha for me when I went out on my own was like, if I'm going to charge you based on whatever your model is, my hourly rate times eight hours, it's none of your business how I spend that eight hours or if I don't spend that eight hours. But I will like it. There's that Abraham Lincoln quote. Uh, it's like if I had if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I would spend four sharpening the axe. Love that. Can you believe I remember that? Nailed it. Rethink your time and meeting time is not thinking time. And if you truly know that your time away from distractions and thinking is the most valuable thing and the thing you love most, then you need to protect that. Yes. Okay. So Lindsay, I'll talk to you on Monday during our one hour meeting. And that'll be it, folks. <laughs> this has been great. Let's go collaborate. Yeah, the C word. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Don't bring it back. <laughs> Thank you for letting us talk about this. And you have a wonderful day. My pleasure. You have a wonderful day. See you soon. Goodbye, marketeers. Bye, Bye marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. New episodes launch every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe to the Two Marketeers podcast wherever you like to listen. Or go to the twomarketeers.ca and connect with us. That's the twomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. We are everywhere. Two Marketeers Podcast. This podcast is over.